Better Yet Podcast, I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet is a long-form interview podcast featuring musicians talking about influence, talking about writing, and talking about being around. The Queen said to lose Aretha Franklin this week. You know, I grew up in a musical household with parents who had a way of canonizing musical history for me. As I grew more aware of music beyond songs and bands, the idea that there is camaraderie and influence, movements based on location, uh, based on outside influences. Uh, But for all the people in my house who I was exposed to and provided some kind of context for, there was nobody who was shown more adoration and pardon the pun respect than Aretha Franklin and that wasn't just from my parents I would watch a lot of VH1 growing up any PBS documentary about music I was watching it and no one was spoken of the way Aretha was by her peers by historians modern singers it's a voice and it's a story also of this talent being totally mishandled by Columbia Records. She signs with Atlantic and goes down to Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and cuts the record with Jerry Wexler and a studio band that backed all of these classic soul records. And that was I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You, one of the greatest records ever made, which launches her into this superstar territory and establishes her as one of the great African-American icons of the 60s and beyond. A story that was circulating after she passed that I really took to as a story of Aretha trying to post bail for Angela Davis in 1970. Let me quote her from an article uh, from a story that year. Angela Davis must go free. Black people will be free. I've been locked up for disturbing the peace in Detroit. And I know you got to disturb the peace when you can't get no peace. Inspiring. An inspiring human, no doubt. If you haven't already, listen to those records. 1967 through Young, Gifted, and Black. She doesn't miss. But hey, 
Welcome. Welcome back. Another edition of Better Yet. Kyle Lang of Special Death and Easter is on the show this week. It feels good being back in the rhythm here. I was very proud of last week's interview with Anika Pyle and touched to hear from a lot of y'all out there excited for a new episode and also the warmth I received from some of you about the difficult time that I was having with my depression, talking about that last week. It was incredible to hear um, and to receive that uh, thank you. It was nice to feel like, you know, kind of ceremoniously putting a bow on that couple of months, putting it behind me, coming back to, you know, say that we're still here. We're still standing, coming back on that episode was a great feeling, um, you know, along with uh, working with Aaron Kovacs over at Lauren Records, who is also sponsoring this week's episode, lauren-records.com slash store. Enter the promo code, better yet, just one word, you can receive 10% off of your order over there. You got records from past guests, Katie Ellen, Walter, etc., Diners, Shinobu, Winter Break. Also, Aaron's got a packed distro, Hop Along, Joyce Manor, The Thermals, and our better yet, Hall of Famers, Rat Boys. Go to lauren-records.com slash store to receive 10% off your order. And Rat Boys, that'll be the glue to our guest this week. Kyle Lang of Special Death and Easter. Special Death is a new band from Kyle featuring Julia Steiner on bass. They put out their first 7-inch. I saw the inside of your room this summer. But the story for me starts back in 2012 in Normal, Illinois. I was down there with the please and thank yous to play the fourth Never Forget Fest. The first one was at my house on Floor Away. The more you know. But... We're at the fourth one, and that's where I saw Easter for the first time, a project led by Kyle that, like most everyone who ever got to see it, it just stole my heart. This huge band of friends centered around these earnest songs. I was totally moved. I got to see them the next night in Springfield and was just similarly captivated by by the, the, the magnetism of this band and this person that this band was centered around. I was excited to see where things were going to go. The Easter demo uh, was was and still is something I put on very often, an incredible four songs, um, but things kind of, life got in the way. Uh, Kyle was diagnosed with brain cancer in 2013 and was immediately in treatment. He beat it. Easter came back briefly, but Kyle chose to end the project. But now he's reemerged with Special Death, an equally exciting new band. He came over to talk about the 7-inch and the early days of Easter and then how his life just turned upside down and he had to figure out what the new normal was going to be. It's a great talk, one I'm excited to share. So let's get to it. We'll start with the song. This is I Saw the Inside of Your Room. Followed by my interview with Kyle Lang. I saw the inside of your room, and now it's easier 
picture you when we're talking on the phone or staying home alone, alone or standing in the same space but obscure through foggy Yeah, he's got like a studio space in there. It's one of those like like collaborative buildings. So there's like studio spaces in there. There's screen printing. There's sure. a different coffee yeah, roaster. Yeah, yeah. So space like that. Okay. I'm there two days a week. And I love that. Uh-huh. It's just me in there. Oh, that would be so nice. It's the best. I would love that. Just like How many hours do you spend there doing that stuff? Well, I, since I get paid hourly, I like to stretch oh, yeah. it out a uh-huh. little bit. But like, like six, seven. Yeah. And then I'm done for the day. Okay. It's a nice day. Right on. Yeah. But yeah. So where'd you grow up? I grew up in Oak Forest, Illinois. Okay. Uh, which is a south suburb. Um, it's at, uh, my house w- is at 150, well, it's actually at 148th and Central. Okay. So it's, it's down Way there. far south. West yeah. a little bit. Because what's, what's Central? Like. Is that like seven thousand ish? I'm not certain. Yeah, because <laughs> given that I grew up in the suburbs, I barely know anything about. Right, it, even though I work here and I'm here. But all you're close. You're close enough to where, like, because like Oak Forest and Oak Park are like early suburbs of Chicago. I don't know how old Oak Forest is. I know uh-huh. you're talking about how long they've been around. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how long Oak Forest has been there, but uh-huh. I know. Oak Park has been around for a very long time. Yeah, because you could um, basically just take like North Avenue to Oak Park, but Oak Forest is a little bit further south. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, okay. it's. I mean, it's a bit west, but it's mostly just south of yeah. the city. Yeah. What'd your folks do? Um, well, I grew up in my grandparents' house. Oh, my mom okay. had me when she was a teenager. Yeah. And. Um, didn't have a father in my life Uh i've never met my father actually oh uh but um so we grew up in the uh in my grandparents house uh my mother was she had a couple of jobs or rather a few i suppose a couple means two she had a few jobs while i was growing up she worked um one of the first things i remember her doing was working at target then she worked in a bank well, all while she was going to school. She uh-huh. she went to college and eventually got a degree in teaching. So she's an elementary school teacher now. Oh, wow. What and grade does she teach now? She teaches fourth grade. And oh, she teaches perfect. in Burbank. Yeah. Um, my grandfather, he worked, he had his own construction, concrete construction business. Uh-huh. Um, and so he was always doing that. So I, I didn't really, he, he would work long hours when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, and my grandmother, she was just, always stay at home from the time that because you know she she was a mother in the 60s and i feel like that was sort of the 
Yeah. Sort of the norm then, and it just continued into, you know, her adulthood. There was a short period of time that she worked at White Hen, uh-huh. which was very close by our house. Yeah. Do you, do you remember White I Hen? I remember Did you White have Hen, that where you yeah. Were? Okay, yeah. Because um, White Hen, the 7-Eleven bought it in like 2001 or two, right? It's got to be something around that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been gone for a while now, but we have a 7-Eleven in its place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she, she worked there. She, she uh, went there to buy... Huh, uh, cigarettes and lottery tickets all the time. Yeah. So she made friends with the the ladies that worked there. Uh huh. Um, and then eventually just started working there for a while. That's she actually, pretty funny. She got held up one time at uh-huh. like gunpoint. I don't know if they if he pulled out a gun, but he had it in his pocket. You know, pointed yeah. something at her in his pocket. Uh-huh. And she chased him out the door after he stole from her. Like no way. Yeah. So the ladies behind the counter are like, "Hey, you're hired." Like no, <laughs> no, no, no. She yeah. was working at the time. Oh, she got okay. held up. Like, hey, give me the money. Oh and, wow. And after it happened, she like ran out the door to uh-huh. follow him. And like, I don't know if she called him names or something. Like right. That, but. <laughs> Yeah. You scoundrel. Right. Get back uh-huh. here. Well, that's why. So, I mean, that's, um, that seems like a, like, she's a pretty tough woman. In some ways. Yeah. Well, yeah. she's, she passed now. She had oh, uh, cancer sorry, in, yeah, she, in 2014. Uh-huh. Um, and this was right after I had finished about with cancer too. Yeah. So it was very, um, that's a man, lot. That was a string of some tough. Yeah. Stuff. How how your how's your mom doing? She's she's good. Yeah. She's okay. It was really really hard on her. Yeah. Because um, I mean, what like you how 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 long were you sick? Like, um. Well, I was diagnosed. See, this was. We went on with my last band Easter. Uh-huh. We went on tour in the winter of 2012, yeah. going into 2013. Okay. I was feeling very very sick. Uh huh. Um, had, I mean, I just, you know, drudged through it. It was, it was awful. Like yeah. I was very ill, um, vomiting constantly, had double vision because it was, uh, the tumor was in my brain and it was pushing on my optic nerve, optical nerve. Oh, sure. And so it gave me uh, diplopia or double vision. Yeah. I had no idea what the hell was going on. Right. And I, and I was throwing up, I went to a minute clinic thing they told me i had the flu so i took flu medicine it stopped the vomiting but i still felt terrible uh-huh. and um turned out there was a tumor in my brain blocking the cerebrospinal fluid flowing from the brain to the you know through the spine it's constantly always should just be flowing through the spine the brain just you know refreshing yeah. itself but it was just blocked up in the brain so i had these immense headaches and oh, this feeling God. of like swelling in my head um, so eventually I had to go home and that was, you know, right at the beginning of 2013 and then got diagnosed. Uh, and then I started chemo, did that till I would say June. Uh-huh. Um, and then had surgery on July 1st of 2013. Wow. I believe. So you was. just, you just had, uh, had an anniversary and that's five years. Oh yeah. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I figured that would be like a thing that that you I would think, commemorate. I think I think on the day I was like, oh yeah, hey, <laughs> I had surgery Remember like five that? years ago. That's but, fucking wild. Yeah, and so the the double vision. That's why I wear an eye patch now because uh-huh. it went away as the tumor shrank. But then yeah. as soon as they did surgery, it must have damaged the optic nerve again. Oh sure, and, and, and you um, can't really, you can't repair that no. unless you want another surgery. Even I. I think it wouldn't really yeah. help. So yeah. when you, so 
is it just is it exactly what it sounds like you your eyes are both seeing like two different yeah it's not, they're it's not, not working together. together right yeah. it's like if you cross your eyes and uh-huh. the, the whatever you're staring at splits into two yeah. it's like that all the time wow except on a diagonal and sort of tilted a little bit yeah so i've found that the best remedy is just closing one eye so it's working on its own yeah and um you switch to it, it every now and then. Yeah. oh yeah i'm used to it at this point yeah for sure um it's fine yeah um god that had to be we'll get we'll get there and uh but let's let's go back a little bit so so you're sure. growing up you're sorry going, to make it no no, no no not at all um you're growing up uh it's just you, you no siblings it's, i had no siblings because yeah. again my mom had me when she was super young so, right you know, but you get along gonna... with your grandparents and oh, it was a yeah yeah it seems like a just a like a good house to be growing up with it was like, pretty good all yeah. sorts of there was no yeah there were a lot there was maybe too much nourishment yeah, i was probably sure. spoiled as a kid ah uh-huh. um i mean that's what grandparents are for no right yeah my grandmother especially yeah, yeah. Your grandpa's still around? Yes. Yeah. I live with him when I'm in the suburbs. I mean, I'll be moving out probably in the next two months and yeah. living in the city full time. Yeah. But when I'm in the suburbs, I, I live at his house, sleep at his house. Yeah. How's he doing? He's still kicking He's it? well. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he golfs all the time and uh, swears at me. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have fun. We And it's great, you know, having that with him now mm-hmm. because he was just growing up. He was just working all the time. He yeah. didn't, I didn't have a relationship with him. You know, I was just a fat little spoiled kid who wanted to play video games. So what, you know, what, I, I wasn't good at sports. What yeah. do we have to talk about or, you uh-huh. know, share? But now I can joke around with him and goof around with him. And it's, I've, again, sorry to get heavy, but, no, but I always want, you know, yeah, I, yeah. not having a father growing up, uh-huh. that's something that was always lacking. Yeah. You know, um, and so having that relationship with him now, uh-huh. is very, very meaningful. Oh, for yeah. Me. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. So I'm very, very grateful that I'm able to have that with him now. Yeah. And I mean, it's special when it's, you know, the circumstances like that, they're unique, you know. I mean, it's and it's so individualized, like yes. always. So. Mm-hmm. Um, was there music in the house? No. No? No. None at all? Um, how do you remember, do you remember, like, hearing music for the first time like outside was it radio well not for the first time but certainly radio um i would as a kid because my mom was going to school or working and my grandma was not uh-huh um she was my you know caretaker all the time and yeah. as we would go on our jaunts to white hand to buy cigs and tickets a lot of scratch offs <laughs> we would and, and just any other chores you know going to the grocery store she would always play. I think, no, I think we should just like consider it six and lotto tickets. Like no matter That's what you're it. doing, yeah. That's all we got. <laughs> I don't remember anything else. We didn't eat much. Um, she would. She was always listening to country music, just just mm-hmm. radio pop country music, yeah. not old stuff. But I and I still have a place in my heart for that stuff. Like yeah. I'll, I'll still listen to that stuff um, on YouTube. Look it up and try and you know my my friend. My 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 best friend, except mm-hmm. for except for Jamie, is uh, he's really getting into pop country this summer, and I love like old country and like country rock. Mm-hmm. But he's pushing Alan Jackson on me. You know yeah. Alan Jackson? Yeah. He's like he's the guy. You should just get into this. It sounds so great. I'm like, I don't I don't know if I no. want to go down this hole. You, you. Are you an Alan Jackson guy though? 
Which, which, uh, I mean, I recognize the name. Yeah, but I could tell you nothing. If, if I was uh-huh. to hear his songs from, let's say, the late 90s and early 2000s, if he was performing at that, at that time and yeah. on the radio at that time, I could sing the songs to you, yeah. certainly, if I was to be started off. Uh-huh. I don't know at this, you know, at this moment as I'm speaking to right. you an Alan Jackson song, but if I knew the title and, like, it started off, like, yeah. I could sing it. Like, uh, Molly and I, you know, will pull that stuff up she'll start playing something on her phone like Shania Twain or something and oh, yeah. I'm able to you know uh-huh. sing all those along we're, we're able to sing along to those just oh yeah from hearing it in the car as a kid over and over and over and over again especially that Shania Twain record there's like eight singles on that thing which which one come on over well I'll have to oh that's the one with like you're still a one like that oh, don't yeah. impress me much like oh, all the freaking those hits. are really on there yeah both wow yeah. she you look at the track list on that it's like 15 songs and like Eight of them are top twenty singles. That's incredible. It's it's unreal. I'll have to keep that in mind and, and check in with, with that <laughs> later tonight. Honestly, once I go to Molly's. Um, so, like, then when do you remember? Like, I guess, like, what was your first like big exposure to to music that was, I guess, like personal? So, that was personal. Yeah. Um, that's hard to say, but I I mean, both with my mom or rather with my grandmother and my mom, we were listening to music in the car a lot. My mom was listening to um, the country stuff, but also R&B and hip-hop that Uh was going on in the mid to late 90s. She would listen to, you know, a little earlier than that. I remember hearing a lot of, um, like, Blues Traveler and even, like, the Goo Goo Dolls, like, alternative stuff like that, which both of which, I you know, I still love. Um, Goo especially also, the like, Goo Goo one Dolls. of my favorite bands for yeah. sure. Did you see them when they were here a little bit ago? Um, I saw them like this time last year at Northerly Island. Yeah, I was there. I saw them. Yeah, yeah, it I was, was tight. good, right? My yes, favorite. It there was, was actually good. There yeah. was a point where Johnny like went to just like throw a throw a lick in, and mm-hmm. it was, was off by about like. One and a half keys, like it was, it was just like, <laughs> oh, what are you doing <laughs> yeah. there? I mean, he's always been sloppy, but that mm-hmm. was a moment where it's like, you don't do this part of the show anymore at all, because it was wild to me seeing him like play the songs from the last like ten years or something, where mm-hmm. he's like, he's just walking around with the microphone, like he's got a guitar on him, but he doesn't but play he's just it. A pop star. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. Um. Really want to go to that Dizzy Up the Girl tour. They're though. doing that. Yeah. Oh They're my gosh. Dizzy yeah, Up the Girl Dizzy at Chicago Up the Girl Theater was really big. Yeah. Oh, also I love Sugar Ray. Sugar the Ray. Fourteen Fifty Nine yeah. album. I still love yeah. a lot of the songs on that one. Um, I've seen Sugar Ray live like three times. Hell uh, yeah! Since twenty two thousand nine or something. They like still that. kick in it. Yeah. I like. We got Mark McGrath and like Johnny Resnick. It's like a contest of like who's had more work done on their face in the past 15 years i would think it's johnny johnny looks bad he looks i don't want to say it um he might hear this one day and i don't want to i i'll tell you afterwards <laughs> i want to get robbie on here i think that that's possible which like, who's that? robbie the bassist oh sure 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 yeah that's probably possible i can i got people mm-hmm. i got people get in touch with those people we'll see there what you happens go. it's easy um <laughs> all right so so like when did you start when did you start playing when did you start like getting interested in so play? it's you know you talking about childhood um i remember oh another thing that my grandma used to be into which probably isn't a surprise given the you know driving around scooting around buying uh-huh. cigs buying lotto tickets she loved garage sales and, oh yeah and you know 
buying things that were not needed. But we used to go to a lot of garage sales in the summer, and I um, I got a Casio Rapman keyboard, uh-huh. which is just a battery powered keyboard. Yeah, and I remember um, using that keyboard and playing songs. Uh, you know, listening to, trying to figure out how to play songs in there. Uh-huh. Like, I, I remember specifically, I had this sheet of computer paper, white computer paper, and all the keys, although I did not know the names of the keys, they had numbers just on the keyboard. Each yeah. one was numbered out. And I remember writing out numbers, you know, to songs. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, and, and I remember specifically le- teaching myself the songs from The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. I don't know if you're familiar with that, if you no, ever played not. Nintendo what, or anything. What's the, uh, what's the console? Is that... N64, Nintendo oh, okay. 64. Yeah, and I loved a lot of the music in that. And yeah. a lot of it was, could be, had a very strong lead melody. Uh-huh. And so I would figure out those songs on the keyboard, write out the notes, and uh, I have a, and um, yeah, so that was my first uh, uh-huh. experience with writing music. But before I forget, and I'll never forget this in life, but I want to tell this story right now. <laughs> so I remember I, I grew up with a lot of cousins. I didn't have siblings, but uh-huh. I had a lot of cousins. Um, my mom's, my uncle's children. Um, he had three kids. And I remember this must have been the late 90s or early 2000s, whenever Kid Rock was like doing his thing. Right. I had that sheet of, you know, songs that I had written out and the numbers. Uh-huh. And I remember my cousin Matt, he, you know, uh with a ball to bang. Oh bang. yeah. He he wrote down <laughs> Kid Rock Ba with a ball uh-huh. on the sheet. And it was just the same like he wrote the same number overnight. It was like ten, 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 ten. <laughs> so it's like do 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 I don't know if that makes sense, but that was his trans transposing of Whatever that song's called, yeah, but he yeah, just yeah. called it "Ball with a Ball," and it was just I the think same it is note. Called "Ball with a Ball," is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's no good. <laughs> but yeah, it was just the same note. He's like, "Check it out, it's Ball with a Ball," and just like, "Do do 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 do." Yeah. <laughs> so that was just. Just so, so you're, you're basically like doing your own version of like guitar tabs, but it's just like with yeah. uh, with the keys. Yeah. So the, uh-huh. what did you get? Like a, you get a guitar from a garage sale too? No, that was when I was thirteen. 12 or 13, 13, 13 uh-huh. I got a guitar. I was, when I was 11 and 12, I got really into the Beatles. I still love them. I mm-hmm. still think that they're the best band ever. What's your favorite Beatles album? Um, The White Album. Yeah, mine too. Really? Yeah. It's, that's so great because uh, I, it's I'm so always stoked weird. when I hear that people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love ahead. like Paul's contributions on there too. Mm-hmm. I, the, the, I think like my, what I came to my realization with with the white album is that it's kind of just like the template for like guided by voices and like Dude, 90s indie rock you're you're a hundred percent on what i want to say it's a lo-fi album it's a it's yeah, a lo-fi it's weird. album the, it is weird and they just all they they were starting to hate each other uh-huh and they were all split up and they were just doing their own thing and putting it to tape and just multi-tracking it's yep. and it's just this mishmash of it, guided by voice that's an excellent comparison yeah to their records because their records are so long i think i got them like around the same time and it was just like like all those mccartney tracks or like i will and those like you know oh i love that minute and 45 seconds or something mm-hmm. like that oh, yeah, and that then and short. then like the fucking those thick tracks that are on there too you know on my guitar gently oh, weaves God. and helter yeah. skelter and stuff like yes. that it's like i just love that like up and down that's going on mm-hmm. and but it and, works yeah and everybody is fucking bummed out when they're making that record. oh i know exactly yeah 
They yeah. they were not happy with each other or I think anything. it's anything and, Beatles. Right. Like, it was just And I mean you get to you get to a point where it's like, you know, I don't I love Rubber Soul, but I don't need to listen to it anymore. And White mm-hmm. Album I'm still like finding things in just because yeah. of the density of it. Yeah. So yeah, I've, I'm with yeah. you there. Yeah, yeah. So you, but you got into the Beatles, and you yes. got you. You kind of wanted to play guitar. Here's and... here's another quick thing. Yeah, I got into the Beatles because um, in fifth grade we were this group of kids was given CDs, and I got like Mariah Carey or something. Yeah, and someone else got the Beatles one. It was uh-huh. like a Mariah Carey single CD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was like two songs on it, uh-huh. and I saw that someone else had the Beatles one. Yeah, and Just I had never three tracks. I right? had never uh-huh. listened to the Beatles. They uh-huh. were never because all I had was country growing up. It's bizarre thinking that oh, no one in my house or in my family liked the Beatles or listened yeah. to the Beatles. But I had a friend, Frank, who would play the Beatles at his house. Like he would play Good Day Sunshine because he thought it was funny, and we would laugh. Uh huh. I saw this this girl had a Beatles album, and I was like, "Would you trade with me?" She's like, "Sure." She traded. Like twenty seven of the Beatles singles for a three uh-huh. song Mariah like she lost. But mm-hmm. I listened to it and I became obsessed with it. Yeah. And then I was like, I need to get more. I didn't know anything about where to buy music really or yeah. or anything. But my grandmother, uh-huh. a friend of hers at White Hen, uh-huh. was a big Beatles fan and burned me like a handful of their CDs on on CDRs. Yeah. And I took them home and put them on my computer, put them all saved into the computer and would just listen to them obsessively uh-huh. and then i was like i need to play guitar this is yeah the best. i want to play guitar and this is all kind of happening in like sort of i guess isolation right i mean you have people that are helping you out but it's like i guess a lot of people the experience is like you know well all of my friends got into you know punk at the same time mm-hmm. and for you it's it's like it's sort of this uh this like mono journey that you're that you're going yeah down. actually um, yeah. I got my friends, you know, my two friends at the time or whatever, got uh-huh. them into it um, after a little bit of time. But yeah, it's funny that I never thought of it that way. But yeah, yeah. that's true. It was it was pretty. Uh, I was pretty secluded in in that stuff at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you when when did you start like writing songs? Because we got what is it? Is it Ponto? Is kind of collection of yeah. So I started writing songs when I was fourteen, a freshman in high school, uh-huh. and I was in a band with my friends, three of my friends. Yeah. Um. And that band was called the Pompadours. Oh. And okay. we just you know record. It's I had a very this little, good like freshman year in high yeah, school yeah, band. Yeah. I had this little. Uh, and you can still look it up on MySpace. We uh-huh. still have like our music MySpace. Um, but I had this little four-track recorder, uh-huh. um, a Zoom PS04, which okay. is an awesome four-track recorder. It looks like a Game Boy, basically. Yeah. And it's a four-track, a digital four-track. And we uh, recorded songs on there from the time that I was like 14 to 15. And then when I was... Oh, I suppose I got that for my 15th birthday. But anyway, we, we recorded when, some songs before When's your that. birthday? What's your sign? Gemini. Gemini? June 16th is yeah, my birthday yeah, yeah. in 91. Oh, that's my uh, that's one of my childhood friends' birthdays. Really? That's Bloomsday too. You you a James Joyce guy? Ulysses takes place on June 16th. Oh, really? Yeah. That whole thing takes place on June 16th? Big dumbass book. Yeah, yeah it all Big takes old place on <laughs> Okay. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, yeah, so we did that and then I started making, you know, solo stuff when I was 15 on uh-huh. my own you know i once i got that four track i made some solo songs and that's ponto yeah on um, the songs that you can 
you the songs are, under that name are from when I was 15 to 16 yeah I would say and those were just done at home um and then from there just in a smattering of bands either uh-huh. writing or just playing parts so yeah I was in a band called well Rod Devils when I was a senior in high school band called I Ponto was also a band when I was like a junior oh okay um so you're playing piece. out and stuff like that yeah a little bit not too much but uh-huh. yeah yeah so is that where you meet like like did you know um eventually you, you go to Champagne right for for school and yes. then um you kind of you kind of become like a part of that scene that's happening down there were, were those people that you knew from uh oak forest or was it you just no. kind of moved down there and like met no, I these moved people moved down there and then the people that i became friends with there were mostly from peoria actually uh-huh um one of them john john manchacha right john yeah. manchaca yeah uh-huh. he lives in how did you know him well i met him through vince okay oh yeah, yeah vince sure uh-huh. And like, cause yeah, Vince and I were in the please and thank yous. And then John, you played I, at John's house, actually. I was wondering if that was the house that we played at. Was it, yeah. was it John's house? Yes. Cause John would also come to, I lived in a house in normal Illinois called Das Fun House. That was a punk house. I remember that one. And yeah, John would come from Peoria to those shows. I think he was still in high school then. Probably. Yeah. Very, how old are you? I'm 31. Yeah, very. He was in high school then, I would think. Yeah. Um, because he's a year older than me. I'm 27. I think. Uh-huh. I'm 27. And, uh, <laughs> I think. Holy shit! I'm 27. And uh, it's and weird, yeah. right? Yes. I got. I got. I'm coming up on 32, and for some reason, like 31, I didn't bat an eyelash at. Now 32, it just seems to have a different weight to it. Mm-hmm. It's weird, but. Go, go ahead. So you so you meet John down there. Yeah, John, my friend, my good friend Aaron, uh-huh. Aaron Schultz, yeah. who is in uh, Cowabunga Kid right now, Nectar, which yeah. is great. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Aaron and I have tried to do this. Oh, okay. We, it'll happen eventually. Sure. We're right. Just... And Aaron Aaron does um, Rat King Records, which is, he put out our 7-inch, our debut 7-inch. Uh-huh. Um, so, and he played in Easter a lot. Yeah. John played in Easter a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, a, a young man, Brian Galecki, he's from Springfield, but he went to school there. Yeah. He played trombone in Easter. Um, I thought Galecki was in there, too. Cause yes. Black Sheep and mm-hmm. Harm House and, yeah. See, the, the reason I'm excited, I'm excited for several reasons, but one of them is, is the fact that there's, there's champagne and Peoria and Springfield, these things that are happening and people have kind of dispersed and they're doing different things, whether it's up in Chicago or, you know, Brian's Brian's going to fucking take that to the top. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> For sure. And that's that's exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been built by by these people that, um, you know, it's if you know, you know. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yeah. Um, so when you what did you go to school for? I went to school. I started out in education, uh-huh. um, and then I ended up just graduating with a, an English degree because Same. I realized I didn't want to do education. There's a lot of problems with yeah. education, so yeah, I just yeah. did not want to be a part of it. No child left behind. Yeah, era Real good. right? Real yeah. good. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so that's what I was there for. But I and and I really liked it. I had a lot of fun with those guys, but. When I, I was diagnosed with cancer right before I graduated uh-huh. and had to take a year off, like right before I was going to do my last semester and graduate. Yeah. So 
that just put such a sour taste in my mouth going back um, for oh, that yeah. last semester. And uh-huh. I was in the worst depression of my life during that last semester. So I just... I when had, you went back after? Yes, mm-hmm, after, yeah. after the cancer, the year-long cancer uh, ordeal, you know, off of school. Right. Um, so I just, I was very unhappy when I went back. So now I'm kind of left with a sour taste in my mouth just yeah. for the school experience. But I have very fond memories of, you know, doing music down there and hanging yeah. out with those guys, of course. Um. Well, I, I mean, yeah, because you, you got those... You got a scene, and when did you when you I, started doing Easter? Yeah, I I also want to say though that yeah. that we that Easter was sort of split between, um, Champagne as well as the South Suburbs up here because uh-huh. at that time that's when you know Namdi was still in Lansing, and yeah. so we would play at Namdi's house, um, or in there was this thing they did each summer called the Big Show that was in Matson, Illinois. Right. Um. So. Yeah, we were. I was involved in sort of both areas, both those very far south suburbs. I wouldn't even know if you would. You wouldn't consider Lansing a south suburb, but well, I mean, yeah, but Lansing is is kind of it's. I think in line with uh, with that Peoria and and Springfield thing, where there was there was so much shit happening in Lansing for such a long time, just between like Namdi and like Tommy B's house, like the. And the collection of people that I think Rat Boys comes out of that scene for me. Okay. And, like, Easter was, yeah, very well established in, like, Champagne Basements, but also, like, the the people that uh, were around, like, Namdi's Big Show and the, yes. like, Island of Misfit Toys, yeah. like, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Namdi's Pancake House. That was his parents' house. His right. parents had moved to California. Uh-huh. So he and his brother and his sister would have shows there. Um, and make pancakes, and uh, there were a lot of great bands that played there. And, yeah, yeah. It, it was such like a, like a diverse, like eclectic thing mm-hmm. too, like all sorts of different things. So, so when you started playing with Easter, you you find these kids, and is it just like, hey, I've been writing these songs. Like, is anybody interested in playing? Um, do you mean for like having members of the band? Yeah. Well, I had recorded all the Easter songs on the demonstration EP uh-huh. uh, just at home. Um, oh, wow. Both in Champaign and in Oak Forest. Just, yeah. You know, recorded at home um, to a digital 16 track. A, um, I forget. It was like a Zoom MSR 16. I can't. HD 16. Doesn't matter. Yeah. But I recorded to those and then put it out on CDRs, um, both in, mostly in champagne i think i released it there uh-huh um and then just you know did a solo show that was my first show and from there just yeah asked people to play with me I so think. that that whole demonstration was just you mm-hmm. that seems like a hell of an undertaking i mean because my my first exposure to easter was like you know seven person lineup so that's kind of how i've always heard that is uh mm-hmm. is a big room full of people playing with that that's sure. just you mm-hmm. wow um I guess that's interesting, like doing something and doing something that's like, even though you're doing it yourself, um, it's pretty grand scale uh, vision that you had there, would you say? Um, I didn't, I mean, I wasn't, I don't know if I had a vision at at, at that time. I just, uh-huh. want, I just wanted to record those songs and, yeah. and get them out. I didn't know that I would end up with a seven-piece band or anything like that. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Right. When I first started playing with a band, it was just a four-piece with Easter. Uh-huh. Um, 
that I remember the first shows were me, Dave, Dave mm-hmm. from Rat Boys. He was playing bass. Um, Brennan Smythe was playing drums. Brennan Smythe, who plays drums in um, Nervous Passenger. Yeah, Nervous yeah. Passenger. He's played with you know Namdi, um, and then Namdi played keyboards too at I think like our first two shows uh-huh. that were you know band shows, and then from there it was just sort of a, a lineup of friends, a constantly rotating lineup of friends. And yeah. what I wanted to do with that band was with the live shows at least was just include all the people that I was close to and mm-hmm. sort of encourage them to play music and, yeah. and give them, you know, like a fun thing. Because in my experience, the playing music with people is such a beautiful way to get close to them. Yeah, and to, absolutely. You know, just to share time together. Uh-huh. And so using that as a means to make friendships and strengthen friendships Uh was that was sort of what i was hoping to do throughout a lot of that yeah Um, and that's yeah that's how so many people got involved i think well it's i guess it's kind of funny i mean you know i i listen to those records and they're that demo in particular it's it's so like wholesome and you know having a song on there called all the people i love the most Mm -hmm. and then going out and kind of like you know expressing that in a way that's just like taking people in and like bringing them together to like play these songs and like do all of that yeah where does that where does that come from do you think is it just like you got you got a kind of a a feeling like you like having done this a few times before you're like oh this is this is great i just want this like to be a thing that i share with as many people as i can i think so yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. wow yeah um, cause I think that was like, I don't know, being, being at the center of all of that. How does that, how does that feel for you? Like mm. being at the center of all of what? All these people that are, that are coming around and like sharing a thing. And it's like, it's based on the songs that you're writing and what you're communicating in those mm-hmm. songs and that that energy i mean that was it was incredibly fulfilling it was like i've you know made something that people care enough about that they're going to want to take part in you know playing the songs and even if they're not playing in the band you know lots of times when when it was shows with a crowd composed of people that i knew and was friends with there was you know a very often a very visceral physical reaction yeah to the shows a lot of singing along and moving and um, I mean, that's like how that. I fell in love with that band was seeing y'all play in normal and then seeing y'all play a couple of days later in Springfield or maybe it was the next day, mm-hmm. but two different places where it's, you know, five or six people playing the songs and everybody there is like in love with them. Yeah, that felt cool. That felt really, really good. It was like, wow, you know, I, obviously, you know, something because I, I try to be as much me as I can in writing and performing. Yeah. And if that makes, I suppose I took people in, I took people responding in that way in such a, you know, again, visceral and physical way, this Uh energetic way. It's like, wow, people are really connecting with this part of me that I'm putting out. And it, it was validating. Yeah. Not only as, you know, just someone making 
music, you know, something creative, but just this is a an expression of myself, of who I am. And if yeah. that's validate, I mean, I know it's wrong to look for validation in, in what you do. Maybe it's not wrong. Not but wrong. No, but it, it shouldn't be necessarily, you know, I had, a, it's, it's funny to talk about this on a podcast, but I had a conversation with my uh, psychologist about this uh-huh. back when I was seeing her. It's been a while since I've seen her, but we talked about this and the purpose of making music and why do I do it. Yeah. And she said, and obviously this is one person's opinion, but she said if, if one person can, if I make something and just one person appreciates it, then it's, you know, it has a purpose. It has a meaning. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's, I'm getting lost in thought here. I think that there's, I think that there's like an instinct that at least I feel like I share with you, you want to do something because it means something to you. Right. And the idea that you're doing it for a sense of, um, you know, that shared feeling and, you know, validation is part of that feeling somebody right. saying like i feel that yeah you share that and that- it still makes me feel really good when people you yeah. know, respond in that way i guess i wish that i could be i wish that i could have a mind that creates these things and does them uh-huh solely for me not relying on the validation of others but not be the- looking for validation isn't like I think the validation is tricky because you can look at it and be like, well, there's vanity in wanting right. validation from, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like validation is a, it's something that you benefit from. And, and it's a, it's a thing that I think will help you to perpetuate goodness. Like, yeah. I think that there's, I've been thinking about this recently and I know that this seems like it's, it's kind of off, but there's somebody that I knew growing up who um, I follow on social media because he's trying to be um, he's trying to be f- a food blogger, like a famous mm-hmm. food blogger. Mm-hmm. And I've been following this person um, for a few years now after like you know finding him. and he switched avenues of like his fame seeking many times in that in that time span it's gone from like comedian to actor to uh, motivational mm-hmm. speaker and, and now he's on like this this food, food like thing. and you know is doing things like you know tagging like the travel channel in his post sure. and uh, like you know yeah and, yeah just trying to catch someone's eye for the food stuff and that's like that's that's a really weird thing mm-hmm. to see that like what what one is seeking is is just straight up fame. It doesn't right. matter how. Right. It doesn't matter the media the medium or yeah. But any sort of expression that I do, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I want people to hear it and like it, mm-hmm. and I want you know the the feeling of like somebody like associating that with me because mm-hmm. that makes me feel good. Like, yeah. am I the same? And you know, I think that it's really easy when you're down to say like, yeah, you are. Because you're only doing this so that people like build you up in some way, right? But I think when it when it's a goodness, and when people are experiencing the goodness, like the fact that 
everybody is, is feeling uplifted in that, that's a good thing. That's not a selfish sure. thing. Sure. Um, cause yeah, I, I just like, I always loved the expression of Easter because I felt like it was a very, it was a very personal, like, um, and like this obviously it continues into special death, but you have a way of, you know, it's your perspective and there's something uniquely like innocent in it. There's something that I think like it hits at like childhood feelings, but there's also a very like adult, like, um, sentimentality to it and like a good sentimentality. Like, I would hope so. I hope that it, it hits at that. And that's because that is very much what I, what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. And, and very much just how I, I'm a very nostalgic person. Yeah. Probably dangerously. So, or not dangerously, but, um, almost to the point where it's, I hope it doesn't hold me back from things or, or close me off to things just in thinking I mean, I know that in my past, things weren't necessarily, you know, objectively better than they are now. And I didn't, you know, feel better than I do now. Right. I really don't think things, you know, change too much. Um, But I am a very nostalgic person. I look back on my childhood and my teenage years and and all with a a longing (laughs) for, for... you know, to feel that way again and to yeah. have the, the relationships that I had then, not with necessarily with the, I mean, I'm friends with the same people that I've been <laughs> friends with since I was in, you know, a f- 14 years old. Yeah. But, you know, I, it's like, I don't know where I'm going with this. I hate, <laughs> I hate getting caught up in my, in my thoughts like this, but there, I do love those times and I hope that I don't know. I just I ho- I'm glad that that comes through. That there is this sort of and mistake me if I'm wrong, but that there is this sort of innocent or childlike uh, sort of feeling in the music, but coming from someone who has, you know, <laughs> who has broken away from you know that childhood and that innocence. Yeah. Um, just due to the passing of time and and experiences that are well beyond my control and right and i mean and we we get into we get into one that's like so far beyond like any sort of control when when you get sick um Mm -hmm. and i mean um going through something like that where i'm sure like making any sort of creative expression is like so far removed from where your mind is focused oh and it's been that way since since then it's it's hard to yeah focus much on on music and and things like that because i just have other priorities in life you know uh-huh um medical financial just just personal things that yeah. I, I wish that i could devote as much time to music and being creative as i did when i was younger uh-huh. and i think i could eventually devote more time to it but it's just it's hard it's my my whole perspective has changed in the past god um five years you know five right or six years so it's like it's it's not perspective and and um just my needs the things that i need to do in my life to survive and to 
you know, well, flourish in whatever. I mean, if you don't mind, if you don't mind me asking, you said that it, you were as depressed as you as you've ever been when you you kind of got out of everything. Yes. Like, um, I think that the the narrative that you hear and that you kind of want to everybody like wants to believe is that something like that happens and it's just like all right like every day is a every day is a gift and i'm gonna i'm gonna take it all like by the horns right and not to say that it's not that there's not that feeling there it's not <laughs> <laughs> but you know like what's what do you think was uh was happening like why why do you think that there was such a drop-off like um, I try to pick it apart from time to time, and I think it's just um, just realizing, and this is obviously not a an objective truth, but just something that I've you know come to come to believe, or you know, it just it feels like life is. Um, I've become, hmm. life is ultimately meaningless and um, all goodness is fleeting. Um, <laughs> it's so, so stupid. Hey, but, I'm, I'm friggin', I'm here with you. But like. it's just, and, and I, I've come to the firm belief that there is really no, um, there is no, we have no free will. We're just at the whim of the, universe things are just going to go in the way that they're directed to go right and i think after i after i came out of that uh experience i felt very defeated um yeah because the uni- universe sure, took survived. a big swing at you though what's that the universe took a big ass swing yeah. at you. Um, i mean i came out you know with double vision um epilepsy scarring on the brain um just and and just this fucked up experience under my belt yeah uh, and then my grandmother died who was you know essentially my mother as yeah. i sort of explained before a second mother let's say uh-huh. not to not to slog off on my my mom my birth mother right she's very much a mother i had two mothers you know um but she passed from cancer and uh-huh. there was a lot of guilt in that why did i survive and she died why does why why did these things happen why does anyone deserve to feel this way or go through these fucking painful things and that was really hard to deal with for a while and and there was a feeling of this is all fucking meaningless this is stupid and life is painful and ultimately there's no there's no you know uh, award at the end there's nothing you just die and you're gone forever and that's and that's and and for a while that was really depressing i'm okay with that now Mm because that's just the way it is um yeah is it any is it something to be happy or sad about probably neither it's just the way it is um but for a while and this is looking at it from you know i'm i'm 5 years out of that and it's hard to really remember what all the uh what made me feel so bad but i just felt useless and um uh, powerless right and that was the first time that i had ever felt that way i think yeah. Um, just completely powerless and where the, f- 
where is my life going? What, uh-huh. what what is the point of this pain? And and I hate that I'm getting all sappy and and no, no sad and things like that. A, I don't. That's not no. a thing. You're good. All right. Good. But and again, I'm looking back on this from a far away point in time, and it's it's hard to see things as I did then. But yeah, it it was hard to deal with feeling. To 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 ma- making my transition to a uh, hard determinist. You know? Uh huh. So it, right. it, I'm fine with it now, but uh, when you go through that, it's like I I didn't do anything wrong, you know. I I, I didn't do any. I was n- never like pretty. I didn't eat unhealthy. I had exercise back then. I don't do drugs or drink really. I mean, mm-hmm. now I'll have a drink every now and then, but back then I was completely, you know, sober. Um, you know, I was a good person. I, I tried as best as I could to be yeah good, to be kind to people. Well, I think like you get, you get hit with something like that and then you get onto, you know, well, why, why this? Like, why me? The, the reasons to like justify it are nil and you You're can, right. you can keep going going as long as as you want with the reasons why why it mm-hmm. shouldn't have mm-hmm. yeah and it's hard to get out of that yeah at first um now i'm at a point where it's just things are just going to be the way they are there uh-huh. is no you have no control yeah um you just are on this ride for whatever reason i'm not certain what probably i have no idea what if, if there's going to be this long review after i die and and you know I'll have a chance to think about it before I'm, you know, yeah. reincarnated or sent to the eternal flames of hell, where, uh-huh. you know, whatever happens. But um, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's hard to, to, when you want to ask why, when you feel like you need to have an answer to why, it's hard to deal with something like that. Yeah. But I don't feel like I need a reason for why anymore. So it's okay. Yeah. I think it's like, if you, if you find a way to, to just like cross that question off of your mm-hmm. like need to know then yeah. it's like all right well like nothing's changed mm-hmm. <laughs> um that's good and you you get some you got some some people that to, to help you get to that place too because yeah. mm-hmm. i'm i haven't i didn't tell you this but i haven't i haven't done we're we're recording in the middle of a hiatus on this because oh, okay. i I fucking not a full on like lobe drop, but had a pretty pretty weird like couple months. Okay. Um, and it's just like it's like what the fuck am I doing wrong here? Mm-hmm. Like I got I got treatment last year. I felt great, and I was like, oh my god, like there's like joy that I can experience. It's it's like it's gonna be okay. Like mm-hmm. also like. Maybe it's not, but that's okay too. Right. And um, you know, I what happened was I was I was taking something, I was taking a multivitamin that was interacting very poorly with my medicine. Mm-hmm. And so shit just like fucking yep. and I was just like you know, like I went through the worst depression of my life 
last year and I made it out okay and a year later I'm fucking back here mm-hmm. and it's like what's the fucking why what am I yeah. doing so fucking wrong mm-hmm. that that I got that I get to fucking that I got to deal with this yeah are you seeing anyone speaking to anyone yeah yeah okay, I mean I've been seeing the same therapist for coming up on coming up on four years now she's the best yep um but you know also like saw started seeing a clinical doctor and um yeah, we had a we had a, a moment where I'm just like in the fucking throes of it, and then I'm like, I think my vitamins are making me depressed. And then I look on Google, and it's like, oh, they are. Your vitamins are making you depressed. Yeah, that's fucking. It's like, but that was supposed to be a good thing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I'm glad. I'm glad that you're. You know. Yeah. You can always, if you you can always analyze that that question i think that's um the uh the philosophical nature of of just like walking from point a to point b and having a little bit of time like that that thing's always going to be there you don't have to you can always kind of like figure out like what's best what what can i do what can i do that makes me feel good what can i do for the people around me how did you get back like what what do you think like kind of turned it for you know because i know you you started doing easter again and then you, you kind of stopped remember. it uh-huh i really don't remember yeah um i thought i was doing easter all through that just not as often yeah through the illness and then i just you know kind of realized like this is not this is a different part of my life i'm a different person now yeah. than i was when i started this band so it Uh needs to end these you know i wrote i wrote very little um recorded very little because it's a very long process for me it's really hard for me to be happy with songs that i write yeah um and i don't want to put them out unless there's the best that they can be or um so i just decided to end easter um everyone had moved away you know i was going to be probably performing around chicago so i stopped doing that Mm -hmm. and i wrote some more songs or recorded some songs that, you know, we had played with Easter. Um, Cause you got the, the night with a friend was, you have an Easter, Easter recording of that. that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, live. We had done it. And then the other one, I saw the inside of your room. Easter had played that too, actually. Yeah. But I just wanted to start fresh with something with those songs. And so I did. And I started special death and uh, was hoping to have a more, solid lineup which i suppose i do but it still you know changes around just Mm -hmm. due to availability right um of persons because rap boys tours all the time so dave and julia aren't always present and drew who plays guitar he um works nights like i mentioned earlier so any weekday shows he really can't do even friday shows he can't do yeah so i have um i've had and i've had you know multiple drummers um brendan Smythe, he drummed um, my friend Pat Kennedy, who oh, played, I know Pat. Yeah, Pat he was played play- in I Rat think Pat Boys. was playing in Easter. Yeah, when he played I, in Easter. Uh huh. Played in Rat Boys. Um, he played. He's played in some other things, but now he lives in Southern Illinois for, okay. for professional reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so now I because he's like smart, right? He's oh, like, yeah. like smart as heck. He's a very smart young man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. He's doing biology. Um, he works for the. Southern, Southern Illinois University at Carbondale. Oh, okay. Um, 
fishing and testing water and testing fish and things like that. Very, oh, very yeah. interesting stuff. Uh -huh. yeah. um, so now uh, another friend, Dan, he plays drums, which has been great. He's played with us two times so far. And it's just mm -hmm. so fun having a good friend. We love to goof around and yeah, that just makes it so fun. And, and still share that. Yeah. And Molly, um, she sings or plays bass or rather sings or sings and plays bass uh -huh. um, at the live shows. And I'm sure she'll be recording on our next, you know, release. And yeah, so it's, it's been all those folks um, yeah. just off and on whoever's available. I like the special death stuff. Cause it feels like, it feels like a hi-fi like continuation. Like oh, the really? recording sounds really good. Well, thank you. I really like what you're doing vocally Huh. Especially. What like, are we doing vocally? <laughs> um, I like the way you and Julia are singing together, but you're not singing the exact same thing. Sure. It feels like you're all like following a line, but maybe one is sure on a different side of the line yeah. than the other. Yeah. Is that intentional? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and there's, um, you know, on songs that we play live and songs that will be out on the next release, There's, there's, you know, three or four part harmonies that I'm trying to include. I love yeah. um, vocal harmony and I have for a while. Um, I just didn't know how to incorporate it before, but now I'm sort of being certain to write songs that have room for vocals and three or four part harmonies. Cause it's like, at least have, two yeah, when you have like multiple people doing it, you kind of like you build it into a, it's, I guess like almost like you're making a chord out of the, yeah the music of the mm -hmm. the voices because mm -hmm. you're in different spots and i'll like one like you know when julia will like finish a line that you won't mm -hmm. even though you've been singing together the entire thing she's yes. got the word at the end yeah um so and it sounds good and and, and aaron's putting it out again i'm not Racking. certain yet uh -huh. for, for the next release well it's on oh okay but you got the first seven oh, inch the first seven inches Aaron's. out on rat king records uh -huh. with aaron Next thing we do, I'm not certain. Yeah, going to do it. Is it and and I mean you got you got like a professional gig, and is it you know something that you think you'll always be doing? I need to. Yeah, yeah. I I absolutely need to just for bills and medical reasons. Well, no, I mean like the music part. Is it? Does it go at the oh. pace that it's going to go at? Is that something? I don't that know. You... I would love to pick up the pace if mm -hmm. possible. Um, yeah. I know there's people who work full-time jobs, but, you know, find ways to tour with their paid time off and things like that. So I would love to do something like that. Um, Got to make that money. Got to sell those records. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I would just, I would love to do it more often and in different places just to spread my things that I've made around, you know, it's, yeah. it's exciting thinking about how people might respond to it. You might find someone that really loves it that wouldn't have heard it other, you know, if you hadn't toured and gone to their town and played at any given show you know yeah and um you know this is all one big ego stroke as i as i told you earlier uh -huh. so i need to get that uh, just gotta get out there gotta get out just there. do it man <laughs> get it happen yeah. um it was really nice having you come over well, it was a pleasure speaking with you thank you so much for having me i hope i didn't uh bum it out too much no way point. you did great you did you did great for for me in this in this moment and I like hope so yeah absolutely right. well, wonderful thank you so much too of course
Hey. Wow. Real freaking life. I want to thank Kyle for being so open and honest. There's a very real feeling that I always get from his music. That sense of closeness to the singer has always been very present. And it's what drew me in early, and it's what I feel every time going back to Easter and into Special Death. Found it very fitting to feel all of those emotions, that same closeness uh, coming through in our conversation. Uh, She was real, but the warmth coming from Kyle was deeply impactful, thankful to have him on, to talk so freely, and also to document his impact on all the people connected to him throughout uh, this area, throughout Illinois, and, you know, happy to share him with the rest of y'all. Check out Special Death online, yourspecialdeath.bandcamp.com. Easter is easter.bandcamp.com. Shout out to Rat King Records. Aaron Schultz, the homie, holding it down in Champaign has put out both of these bands along with nectar cowabunga kids single player horrible things great label great people subscribe to this show on apple podcast stitcher rate it write a review tell a friend about the show like it on facebook you can send me a message on there the website it's betteryetpod.com we're also on bandcamp betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com check out as you were podcast about alkaline trio hosted by yours truly and david anthony and postmarkdom meta perspectives in professional wrestling with myself and scott southard am i forgetting anything no well thank you so much thanks to kyle thank you chloe and lily thanks to julia thank you jay closing with the Queen Bubba's come back next week. Forever, Thanks, Bubba's.
my mother doesn't tell me nothing at all. 